Prison Radio Show, a part of CKUT's Off the Hour. Prison Radio has been on the air for 10 years. Prison Radio seeks to confront the invisibility of prisons and prisoner struggle by focusing on the roots of incarceration, policing, and criminalization, and by challenging our ideas about what are prisons and the people inside our jails. Prison Radio is dedicated to programming that is directly collaborative with people who are currently incarcerated. This is in the interest of forging stronger ties with incarcerated and non-incarcerated people, ensuring that prisoners have direct control over their representation and that our understanding of prisons be informed by those who live inside their walls. We invite anyone who is interested in collaborating on programming to contact us. Those who have been affected by the prison system in any way to get involved. News at CQT.org, prison at CQT.org, or you can call us at 448-4041-6788. You're listening to CQT, Montreal Community located on 90.3 FM on the dial and www.cqt.ca online. Hi, and welcome to the Prison Radio Show on CKUT 90.3 FM. My name is Gene, and... My name is Noah. And we are your hosts for today's show. We would like to acknowledge that CKUT is located on seated on the, in the Hundensani and Nishawan, Abenakaki, and Mohawk territories. I butchered those, sorry. Today on the show, we'll be airing another piece from our history series. We've been talking to Pappy who spent decades in Canadian prisons. The interview will focus on different kinds of prisoners' resistance that were happening in federal prisons in the 1980s. We'll also be featuring an interview with folks behind the new website, PrioristChronicle.com, a new site that tracks prisoner resistance and dates back to 2010. But first, here's some news headlines. 
In Brussels, approximately 90 activists occupied a new maximum security prison in Haren for all of Monday morning. According to corporate news, 90 people successfully prevented workers from accessing the newly built prison site because, they stated, prisons are anti-democratic and prisons destroy nature. Police began arrests around 8 a.m. The group had formed a human chain around five separate entrances to the prison. By noon, the police claimed they had arrested nearly all of the demonstrators. The action was part of a public campaign against prison expansion under the banner, Stop Maxi Prison Now. According to the Associated Press, 78 people escaped this week from a Haitian prison in the city of Aquin, located in the southern part of the country. The National Police has opened an investigation into the prison escape. Corporate media reports that during the escape, a political demonstration against the country's president was taking place in front of the building adjacent to the penitentiary. For over a week, thousands of people have been protesting in the capital, Port-au-Prince, demanding the resignation of President Jovenel Moise. Moise. The Associated Press reports that prisons in Haiti are rife with, and it was extreme overcrowding, unsanitary conditions, lack of food, and lack of health care. A recent investigative report revealed that nearly three-quarters of the 12,000 people imprisoned in Haiti are still waiting trial. The Journal de Montréal is reporting that the Leclerc Prison for Women is quote, completely scrap, according to Lucie Lemond, spokesperson for a provincial civil rights group. Since the fall, the Leclerc prison has been in the spotlight as many women prisoners are speaking out against abysmal conditions. A coalition watchdog on women's imprisonment called La Coalition d'Action et de Surveillance sur l'incarceration des femmes au Québec recently called on the United Nations to open an investigation into the prison. Some of the subhuman conditions include, include dirty brown drinking water, no heating, bedbug infestations, and humiliating strip searches. The penitentiary used to be a men's prison and was closed down by the federal government in 2012. Most of the women inside are serving sentences under two years for minor crimes, says Melanie Martel, president of a lawyer's association that focuses on provincial prison reform. In another attack on prison profiters, migrant prison contractor Loisel Incorporated had its offices redecorated with graffiti last month. According to the local newspaper, Journal Saint-Francois, the building facade of the excavation company La Soile Incorporated in Salaberry de la Valleville was spray-painted with the words, No to the Migrant Person, Prison. All of the street front-facing windows were also sprayed in pastel shade of green paint. Loisel, located at 2280 Boulevard P12 in Salisbury de la Valleville, Valleyfield received the excavation contract for the new migrant prison in Lavelle. The racist prison is currently under construction, and many Quebec companies are profiting from the Canadian government's uh, enforcement of colonial borders. Some anarchists wrote the following about, about taking action. Fuck Loisel, fuck the Canadian border services agency, fuck prisons, solidarity with migrants with or without papers. There will be a, a rally in March against prisons, prison architects this Sunday, February 17th at 2 p.m. in St. Henry. Folks are invited to gather at the Place Saint-Henri Metro for a world without prisons and without borders. As mentioned, the federal government is building a new prison for immigrants in Laval, directly beside the current one. Documents detailing the prison specify that fencing should be aesthetically covered by foliage or other materials to limit harshness of look and detract from overt identification of fence. Iron bars over windows must be, quote, 
as inconspicuous as possible to the outside public, while nevertheless maintaining their functioning of locking people up. The children's play yard will resemble, quote-unquote, a daycare setting. Through a six-foot-high, quote-unquote, visual barrier, will ensure that no one can see the imprisoned kids and that the kids cannot see out. The LeMay architect firm, headquartered in the neighborhood of St. Henry, holds two million two multi-million dollar contracts to design this prison. LeMay boasts of its environmental sustainably, environmentally sustainable buildings and its projects creating tangible and measurable value for clients, users, and communities. But under this sugarcoating, LeMay is helping to construct nothing other than a cage for humans. With these contracts, LeMay is complicit in facilitating the deportation of refugees and migrants Canada wants to discard. Ultimately, the function of this particular kind of prison is to control the movement of the global poor. Listeners are encouraged to join the first public action in the struggle to stop the construction of this new migrant prison on Sunday at 2 p.m. at Metro St. Henri. A No Borders, No Prisons panel discussion about the fight to stop the new migrant prison in Laval will take place next week on Friday, February 22nd from 4 to 6 p.m. at the United Theological College, which is located at 3521 University Street near McGill Metro. Come and hear about how construction has begun on a new migrant prison in Laval, right beside the old one. The Canadian state has responded to multiple hunger strikes by migrant detainees in Ontario, as well as popular mobilizations against the imprisonment of migrants and refugees by pouring millions of dollars into creating new, prettier prisons. The Canadian state is also investing in new ways of controlling migrants outside prison through so-called alternatives to detention, such as voice recognition and GPS cell phone systems. Stopping prison construction, whether for migrants or criminalized people, is an important struggle in the fight against white supremacy, colonialism, patriarchy, capitalism, and domination. You're invited to learn about the imprisonment of migrants and refugees in so-called Canada, hear the plans for this new prison, and discuss the role migrant detention has played now and now plays in global systems of domination. The workshop will end with a discussion about ways of joining the fight to stop the new prison. The panel discussion is part of Kuperg McGill's Social Justice Days programming. Also as part of Kuperg McGill's Social Justice Days programming, on Thursday, February 21st, there will be a trivia night with STAND, which stands for Students Taking a New Direction for Prison Justice. From 6 to 8 p.m., STAND's trivia night will focus on the realities of the prison industrial complex in North America. Questions will center around the cost, effects, general nature, sentencing laws, and many more horrendous facts that constitute North America's current criminal justice system. Join Stan for an educational conversation around the reality that takes place behind bars next Thursday, February 21st at the Association Recreative Milton Park, which is located at 3580 Jean Mans. For more information, you can call 514-398-7432 or email info at org. The time is currently 5.11 p.m., and you're listening to The Prison Radio Show on CKUT 90.3 FM, 91.7 on cable, and www.ckut.ca. We are planning to bring you uh, the second part of our interview with Poppy, uh, but we're having some technical difficulties. So in the meantime, we're going to um, broadcast or perhaps rebroadcast um, something from a compilation which is called Poetry um, from Words Without Walls. I sit in my cell in this self-imposed hell, constantly yearning to stop all the burning. Deep down in my chest, my mind just won't rest. It's waiting for me to just take the lead and pour it all out, give the hatred a spout, but the words just won't come. I'm lying down in a slump, trying to free all the shit inside of me. 
I'm probably frightened of being enlightened, of hide deep down inside that needs to be fed to get out of my head. I hate these emotions that are constantly floating all over the place, drowning my face and so much self-pity. I'm no longer pretty. Where'd the joy go? Why does the pain show in my brown eyes? Can't you realize that I'm just a girl trapped in this world, pretending I'm grown, feeling completely alone? I try to hide it, but I can't deny it. I'm terrified of me, how evil I can be. If given the opportunity, life's so confusing. I can't hide the anguish that needs to be vanquished before I start again to come to the same end. The alcohol abusing, the drugs I was using, to chase all my sorrows may end my tomorrows. I see nothing ahead but sadness instead of the life I deserve, my mind so disturbed. I try to look at me to find some beauty, but there's nothing there. My heart is barren. I just need to let go, stop the blood flow of the innocence I killed with the alcohol I spilled down my throat to make my mind float. I want to have peace give my pain a release so my life can move on and I know I'm strong I can survive it all if I don't fall back in the dark pit of my own bullshit the following poem was compiled by books beyond bars in the book words without walls and was written by Sarah Tate it is called I am me what is it that's so horrible about me that you can just take my body and violate me now you try to take my heart and turn it against me you burn my soul trying to make me hate me it hurts i always scream i wonder how you can stand there laughing at my pain it is you that did this to me so why do i feel so horrible about me why am I blaming myself? For it was you who grabbed and raped me. Now what am I supposed to do? Oh, I guess I did say that you tried to take things away from me. But I beat you there because I'm still here. I'm not a quitter and you took nothing from me because I am me. say real rock from the rock an unusual musical happening in a most unusual place the state prison i got a letter from the government the other day i opened and read it it said they were suckers they wanted me for their army or whatever picture me giving a damn i said never here's a land that never gave a damn about a brother like me and myself because they never did i wasn't with it but just that very minute it occurred to me the suckers had authority cold sweating as i dwell in my cell how long has it been they got me sitting in a state pen i gotta get out but that thought was thought before i contemplated a plan on the cell floor i'm not a fugitive on the run but a brother like me begun to be another one public enemy serving time they drew the line y'all they criticized me for some crime nevertheless they could not understand that i'm a black man and i can never be a veteran on the street the situation's unreal i got a raw deal so i'm looking for the steal i'm going for that 
Another piece in our history series for the Prison Radio Show. In this interview, we pick up the interview that we were doing with Poppy that we aired on January 25th, 2019. In the following sections of the interview, Poppy talks about participating in a strike in the 1980s in a new prison in Renous, New Brunswick. It was common practice at the time for Correctional Services Canada to involuntarily transfer people they thought were leaders of the strike. Poppy explains how prisoners related to this practice through their organizing. He mentions something called Grade 5, which is one of the highest pay grades available to prisoners. At the time, the top of that pay grade was about $6.90 a day, and many prisoners made less than that. The pay has only gone down since the 1980s. Poppy goes on to talk about spontaneous uprisings and riots versus more structured organizing that relied on inmates' committees, which were created in the 70s and 80s across the federal prison system. He explains a bit about how Correctional Services Canada, referred to in the interview as CSC, dealt with strikes that would happen back then.
like the maximum back then was at Dorchester. So they opened Renault's and the, how can I see that? So if you were in Dorchester and you were there for years, you know, you worked, uh, you had all, uh, like I said, there's canteen. So you have different salaries. It's not much, but it, it, it's the system. So if you want to buy your peanut butter or your jam for your toast in the morning uh, or cigarettes back then you could smoke, you needed that money. So they opened Renault's and they were in a rush. So they arrived and, okay, uh, we're taking 40% of the population and putting them over there. But there was nothing over there ready. Like the only job was for the guys for cleaning the range and so they were supposed to have a contract with uh, a company or something but it didn't pan out. So all of a sudden, for no reason, you get transferred because they opened a new max and they said the other one's going to be like a medium uh, type. Of, so you're considered max, but all of a sudden you got no work so you lose your grade. You're locked up all day because there's no work. So if you look at you being punished and you're going to segregation, it's about the same thing. So it's like because you open a new prison, I'm being punished. So the the strike was for that. So like we all gathered, there was, there was no uh, Pretty much everybody uh, was fed up after a couple of months, and um, what we were asking was like, at least give us a yard in the afternoon to or the gym or uh, like activities. Like, uh, plus, if we were grade five, we keep our grade five uh, until you you can place us, uh, find some openings or open something up so we could. Uh, And in the yard, the only decision that was to be made, like that was like off, everybody when they gathered in the yard, we all, there wasn't nobody like driving that, was pretty much everybody was fed up. It was just, who's gonna be the leader? Who wants to be transferred? So me, I I was involuntarily transferred uh, to New Brunswick from uh, Milaven. So I said, I gave my name uh, as a leader and effectively, uh, within a week, uh, I was in the hole in Dorchester. They didn't even keep me in the hole over there. They, they took me right out, put me in the hole to Dorchester until the... I think it took me uh, four or five months to get transferred back to Milliman. Because at first, everybody was refusing to take me. A troublemaker, blah, 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 blah. And I'm from Ontario, so... Ottawa just decided, uh, is your problem. They didn't like it, but, and that's when I said, like, they used the thing uh, for the good order. That's how they shipped me out. Because bad things were gonna happen if I stayed at Malibin, but they had to take me back in and no bad things happened. But uh, that's pretty much how it went down. But like I say, it's, sometimes they're not like really organized. And the thing is, I can understand those things happen, but why am I being punished for it? You know, like, I understand, like, things happen like that. You didn't get the contract you were supposed to have, but fine. 
but why are you punishing me for it? You know, like, uh, and the whole system is like that. Sometimes if something goes wrong, it's like, it's on us, but it shouldn't be like, because you haven't done anything. But that's why sometimes they say there's no justice in prison, because people on the street say we're supposed to be punished, yeah, but I'm in prison, I am being punished. So while I'm in prison, why do you have the right to punish me for whatever? Because uh, in a way they're giving you, when they put you in segregation, or in the, they're giving you a sentence, the prison within the prison. But there you got no trial, because you got no rights. What was the action that people decided to take in Renews? We just did a sit-down. Okay. No, uh, well, no work, there was no work. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the people that did have jobs, and uh, until they found a solution. Like I said, our demands was, we want the yard in the afternoon, and the gym in the afternoon too. Plus, we want our salary. Like, why are you, you know, like, it's not much like, uh, you're making maybe like thirty dollars, but uh, all of a sudden you're making five. And how long into the sit down did it take them to train? Uh, me uh, within the week. Okay. Within a week, I was gone. And did did it last longer after you left? Uh, three months. And did people eventually get any of their demands? Yeah, they they got the, their salary back and uh, they had longer time. Uh, for the ones that didn't work outside there. But see, that that's the thing that they don't, uh, and people don't see sometimes, is they transfer all the so-called leaders, but sometimes those those things last for four or five months. So it's because of them, well, if it's because of them, they're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, like sometimes they say, well, people are afraid of them, and they have to go, you know, like, no, it's still, uh, and sometimes we all know inside, like, you're being transferred. So uh, often the ones that put their name up there, it's is just because, yeah, I don't mind being transferred. Would you make a distinction between things that could happen, like you were talking about, like riots and stuff in Archambault that would happen that I imagine were very spontaneous, like people reacting to, like, a specific moment um, versus something like, this sit down in Renews that maybe was like a little bit more planned out, even if it was just like we had a meeting and decided to sit down. Like, do you, would you make a distinction between those two kinds of things inside in terms of like how resistance looked? Well, usually uh, with riots, it's the thing is, uh, it's an impulsive thing. And usually it'll be just like one or two inmates that overreacts, but the thing is, the guard doesn't make the distinction. So the SWAT team, we could see, jumps in. So then it's the whole, because everybody's being attacked. So it's like, that's why it often degenerates, because you're being attacked. That you do something or you don't do something, you're being attacked.
like the maximum back then was at Dorchester. So they opened Renault's and the, how can I see that? So if you were in Dorchester and you were there for years, you know, you worked, uh, you had all, uh, like I said, there's canteen. So you have different salaries. It's not much, but it, it, it's the system. So if you want to buy your peanut butter or your jam for your toast in the morning uh, or cigarettes, back then you could smoke. You needed that money. So they opened Renault's and they were in a rush. So they arrived and, okay, uh, we're taking 40% of the population and putting them over there. But there was nothing over there ready. Like the only job was for the guys for cleaning the range and so they were supposed to have a contract with a, a company or something, but it didn't pan out. So all of a sudden, for no reason, you get transferred because they opened a new max and they said the other one's not gonna be like a medium uh, type. Of, so you're considered max, but all of a sudden, you got no work, so you lose your grade. You're locked up all day because there's no work. So if you look at you being punished and you're going to segregation, it's about the same thing. So it's like because you open a new prison, I'm being punished. So the, the strike was for that. So like we all gathered, there was, there was no, uh, pretty much everybody uh, was fed up after a couple of months. And um, what we were asking was like, at least give us a yard in the afternoon to or the gym or uh, like activities. Like, uh, plus if we were grade five, we keep our grade five uh, until you, you can place us, uh, find some openings or open something up so we could, uh, And in the yard, the only decision that was to be made, like that was like off, everybody when they gathered in the yard, we all, there wasn't nobody like driving that, it was pretty much everybody was fed up. It was just, who's gonna be the leader? Who wants to be transferred? So me, I, I was involuntarily transferred uh, to New Brunswick from uh, Milleven. So I so I gave my name uh, as a leader and effectively, uh, within a week, uh, I was in the hole in Dorchester. They didn't even keep me in the hole over there. They, they took me right out, put me in the hole to Dorchester until the, I think it took me uh, four or five months to get transferred back to Milliman. Because at first, everybody was refusing to take me. A troublemaker, blah, 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 blah. And I'm from Ontario, so, Ottawa just decided, uh, it's your problem. They didn't like it, but, and that's when I said, like, they used the thing uh, for the good order, and that's how they shipped me out. Because bad things were gonna happen if I stayed at Malibin, but they had to take me back in and no bad things happened. But uh, that's pretty much how it went down. But like I say, it's, sometimes they're not like really organized. And the thing is, I can understand those things happen, but, why am I being punished for it? You know, like, I understand, like, things happen like that. You didn't get the contract you were supposed to have, but fine. 
but why are you punishing me for it? You know, like, uh, and the whole system is like that. Sometimes if something goes wrong, it's like, it's on us, but it shouldn't be, like, because you haven't done anything. But that's why sometimes they say there's no justice in prison, because people on the street say we're supposed to be punished, yeah, but I'm in prison, I am being punished. So while I'm in prison, why do you have the right to punish me for whatever? Because uh, in a way they're giving you, when they put you in segregation, or in the, they're giving you a sentence, the prison within the prison. But there you got no trial, because you got no rights. What was the action that people decided to take in Renews? We just did a sit down. Okay. No, uh, well, no work, there was no work. Yeah, there. Yeah. But the people that did have jobs, and uh, until they found a solution, like I said, our demands was we want the yard in the afternoon and the gym in the afternoon too. Plus, we want our salary. Like, why are you, you know, like, it's not much, like, uh, you're making maybe like $30, but uh, all of a sudden you're making five. And how long into the sit-down did it take them to transfer? Uh, me, uh, within the week. Okay. Within a week I was gone. And did, did it last longer after you left? Uh, three months. And did people eventually get any of their demands? Yeah, they, they got the, their salary back and uh, they had longer time uh, for the ones that didn't work outside there. But see, that that's the thing that they don't, uh, and people don't see sometimes, is they transfer all the so-called leaders, but sometimes those those things last for four or five months. So it's because of them, well, if it's because of them, they're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, like sometimes they say, well, people are afraid of them, and they have to go, you know, like, no, uh, it's still, uh, and sometimes we all know inside, like, you're being transferred. So uh, often the ones that put their name up there is, is just because, yeah, I don't mind being transferred. Would you make a distinction between things that could happen, like you were talking about, like riots and stuff in Archambault that would happen that I imagine were very spontaneous, like people reacting to, like, a specific moment um, versus something like, this sit down in Renews that maybe was like a little bit more planned out, even if it was just like we had a meeting and decided to sit down. Like, do you, would you make a distinction between those two kinds of things inside in terms of like how resistance looked? Well, usually uh, with riots, it's, the thing is, uh, it's an impulsive thing. And usually it'll be just like one or two inmate that overreacts, but the thing is, the guard doesn't make the distinction. So the SWAT team, we could see, jumps in. So then it's the whole, because everybody's being attacked. So it's like, that's why it often degenerates, because you're being attacked. That you do something or you don't do something, you're being attacked. This is the Prison Radio Show on CKUT 90.3 FM. You're listening to an interview with Poppy, who spent years in Canadian prisons. He talked with the Prison Radio Show about his experiences inside, mostly in the 1980s. 
This interview has been focusing on what prisoners' collective organizing looked like in prisons in those years and how the correctional services responded to prisoner organizing. I have heard from other people that once there were inmates' committees, they often played a role in how resistance looked on the inside. Has that been true in your experience? What kind of yeah, they yeah, uh, you're in the committee, so you've been elected, so you have control. It gives you a control on uh, how things will be dealt with. So. Uh, Yes, a committee is a good for that because it gives a direction, uh, a purpose, and like a method. Okay, we'll do this, this, this. If this doesn't work, so the if you do something, it's more structured. And in life, uh, if something's structured, usually it goes better than. If you have steps towards your goal, but uh, yeah, committee is that's the reason for it. Just to uh, were the people in the committees often some of the people who would get transferred? Once yes, yeah, yes. Okay. Once you get to the last step, uh, not always. But uh, most of the time they would be transferred, uh, I would say, uh, 95%. Okay. Sometimes they wouldn't be transferred, but they were uh, a good committee. And the thing is, there was a bit more, I'd say like the, the late 70s, maybe a bit the beginning 80s, solidarity, and they might, the riot might happen without the committee there. And the administration knew that they were a bit the one keeping things to go overboard, so they would keep they wouldn't transfer them. Mm. It would be in their best interests. But after is like riots after the I submit eighties, you haven't seen the really big riots. Uh, the ones that happen it's isolated on one range. It's like not the whole population that they would say riot, but it's it's a sector, mm -hmm. and I, like I say, uh, usually everybody would get gas anyway, uh, mm -hmm. and the media would be uh, riot, riot, but sometimes it's just like guys on one range that uh, just blew off, because uh, uh, our tolerance, everybody's tolerance is not the same, so you get kicked and kicked. Some people will take it longer than others. Some will just snap. Mm -hmm. And sometimes <clears throat> a lot of them will be on the same range. So it's, things will go out of hand, but it's like that. Like I had seen a couple of times that happened, but it was, and like I said, there's different units. So sometimes uh, things would happen on the other side, but we were already on the lockdown because we didn't know something was happening because it's impulsive, so there's no uh, I'm going to go right. It's something that starts in, so they already put us on lockdown before we knew what was happening. So, uh, but then when you hear the media and thing is uh, riot at Milhaven, but uh, there is a riot, but it's it's not the whole population. And I, like I say, uh, 
administration sometimes like those things because then they can enforce on everybody because Ottawa gives them a certain power because there was a riot to get things under control. And usually, uh, it's like we were talking about Renews. See, the sit down there, it's not the administration. Eh? It's Ottawa sent some people after three months. But see, like, uh, yeah, that was uh, the late 80s, mid 80s, about, I was there. Like I said, a lot of changes uh, had been made, and there was like a, a little branch in the government that if it wasn't uh, done by the administration within three months, they would come over and see what. So they had like a certain, they could overpower. There was like little committees we could see that, that was established uh, with a bit of power. They're gone though. They were still CSC, though. Yeah, but the thing is, they're not guards. They're more like administrators. And uh, that's when they sit down. They're the one that was the resolution. It wasn't the... But I often, like I see in power struggles, because uh, sit-downs are there are power struggle, uh, they won't give in. Like, uh, if it wasn't for that, it could have lasted a year. Uh, they don't really care. They, they get paid to watch guys locked up in their cell. So I'm sure they're sitting in the tower laughing and having coffee, and it's a really dangerous job, you know. With my 12-gauge behind the tea, in, behind the glass, uh, Tower. Okay, that was, that was another segment of our ongoing history series. In that interview, Poppy talked to us about different kinds of prisoners resistance that happened in Canadian federal prisons in the 1980s. Social Justice Days 2019. Looking out, looking in. February 19th to 22nd at various campus and community spaces. Join Kuperk McGill for a series of workshops, discussions, film screenings, and social events highlighting local organizing. Events to include workshops on Indigenous perspectives on harm reduction, contemporary colonialisms, Palestine and Tibet, deep accessibility, building capacity beyond basics, no borders, no prisons, a film screening of migrant dreams, a trivia night with Stand, discussing realities behind bars. All events are wheelchair accessible, free, and open to the public. More information is available at kupergmcgill.org slash social justice days. Social Justice Days 2019, a CKUT co-presentation. Howl, spectacle benefice for Syrian refugees. Saturday, February 23rd at La Sotarena, featuring a projection by filmmaker Samer Nejari, performances by Sam Shalabi, Feu Saint-Antoine, poetry by Huda Adra, Graham Beverly, solo guitar, Saeed Kamju, DJ sets by XX Files, and Zara Dion. This will include a print art sale, 
All funds going to support a grassroots refugee aid project based in Beirut, Lebanon to support Syrian communities in the Bekaa Valley. That's Saturday, February 23rd. Doors at 8 p.m. La Sotarena, 4848 Saint Laurent. $10. Nobody turned away. This is a CKUT Radio co-presentation. Got an idea for a local or McGill story you'd like to turn into a podcast? Are there unexplored topics or underrepresented voices that you think deserve a platform? CKUT is expanding our digital programming and we're looking to develop eight new podcast series. Content can be fictional or fact and can explore anything from the historical, comedic, musical, scientific, and the investigative. You will outline the content and narrative and CKUT will support you with the logistics including equipment, editing, interviewing, and promotion. This is an opportunity to learn all the skills you need to produce your own podcast. Email your pitch to culture at ckut.ca by March 4th. Make sure to include Podcast Proposal 2019 in the subject line. Have your story heard. The first part of our next interview is with Duncan, who is involved with the new website, perilouschronicle.com, which is tracking prisoner resistance and posts descriptions of resistance inside dating back to 2010. The site covers resistance on the inside in the U.S. and Canada. It launched in early February of this year. Do you want to start by introducing yourself and explaining what the Perilous Chronicle is? So my name's Duncan, and I'm part of the team that's working on Perilous, which is a chronicle of prisoner unrest across the U.S. and Canada from 2010 to the present. That means is a, it's, a, it's a website um, and, and a digital tool to explore the series of, and, and diverse set of uh, prisoner collective action over the past nine years. Um, and our, our framework is basically any event that, ha- that involves two or more prisoners that is, has as its target uh, something related to the conditions of confinement, or uh, abusive guards, or, uh, or even incarceration itself. So yeah, anything that falls within that category, we're trying to catalog and put on this website and make accessible via different sorting and browsing tools. Can you tell us a bit about how the idea for this project came about? Like what led to the creation of the website? I think it, it came out of, I, I don't know all of the prehistory, but I, I think that um, there's been a series of conversations over the past few years of, of, of seeing something like this as a gap in what's becoming a pretty dynamic and and massive uh, movement that's like that's that's uh, that's looking critically at incarceration from many different angles, but there has yet to be uh, until perilous like one centralized place uh, where where people could look at um, these things in, in a sequence in a timeline and and. Um, I mean, so and that's one of the things we try to pull out is that you, you, at different events, you can link to different uh, things that happened at the facility in the past. So like this, this hunger strike followed up on a hunger strike six months ago, which followed up on a hunger strike uh, like a year ago that followed up on a protest and so on and so forth. And I, I, I think that the, there's also an intervention of a lot of this, this history of the past nine years is, is uh, told in really haphazard manners. Uh, and it often doesn't include 
things written or interviews done by prisoners. So that's one small intervention that's really important to us is is telling this history of of resistance uh, to incarceration in various ways and telling that and making sure that as much as possible prisoners' voices are included in that history. Can you give us an example of a couple recent things that have been posted on the site? Yeah, totally. So I guess that's like a parallel goal of the site is not only to be a chronicle and in some ways like an archive of of events from the past, but also try to be a, a resource for events that are unfolding in the present. So we have a, our most recent post is about a hunger strike at Yuba County Jail in California, in which immigrants detained by ICE are uh, on hunger strike. And so that, that post has their demands and some background context and so on and so forth. And we, we also covered the, uh, the work stoppage at, uh, in, in Minnesota in December. So yeah, ideally we we'll fill both of these roles. So we can we, people can explore the history of prisoner action, but also like kind of go to an authoritative source to understand events that are unfolding in the present. You guys have a really amazing about about us section on the website, and in mm-hmm. it it says that since 2010, there's been a quote steadily rising wave of prison rebellion that you all think constitutes a mm-hmm. nationwide mo- social movement. And you kind of mentioned this mm-hmm. in, in your like why why create this kind of website? How did the idea for this come about? And part of that idea is like wanting to make this nationwide social movement more visible. Can you talk about this a little bit mm-hmm. more and and give us like a sense of why I talk about prisoner resistance in this way and what's maybe changing since 2010? Mm-hmm. I, there's a couple, I think, uh, aspects of that. I think that especially in 2016 and 2018, or those are like these most notable like national coordinated actions, sometimes called nationwide prisoner strikes. And these, uh, these have, in actually a lot of ways, like it feels like broken through into uh, mainstream media, what is actually a fairly consistent and persistent uh, level of prisoner unrest. So, but also these are not coming out of, out of uh, they, these events have histories um, that go back, I mean, obviously, even decades prior to the beginning of this project, but we're volunteers, so we have to start somewhere. So we're starting in 2010. Uh, but, you know, we could trace it back to George Jackson and Attica and so on and so forth. So I, I think that uh, it's it's hard, and it's hard to say for sure, I, I know, to, to say that, like, there's more actions now than there were 10 years ago. I, I just, I don't, I, 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 I can't say that definitively, but... Um, it, there is many actions happening right now. Like we recorded in 61 last year um, and we're finding more every day and adding them when we can. And I, and I think, uh, so I think it's in some ways that count one of the things that came out of of seeing these like 2016 and 2018 really break through in, into mainstream media and like really influence the way people are talking about incarceration and also like alternatives to incarceration but we want it to be like, well, this stuff's actually happening all the time. And maybe these are like, these are coordinated and they share uh, a day all across the country, and uh, including Canada. But, um, yeah, you know, there, these, there's these connective tissues between these different events. And so related to that, of, of, of what's well, something we want to do with the website is not just, this isn't a website just for people studying incarceration in the academy or prison abolitionists or so on and so forth. It is for all these people, but we're hoping that it can, it can assist in breaking through into uh, sort of more mainstream media sources and, and can, uh, cause I mean, like there's, there's articles that come out in, in different sorts of, uh, you know, more mainstream sources that but lots of people around the country read, uh, lots of people around the world read, and they, they'll actually like misrepresent certain actions 
or they'll give some incorrect number about the number of, you know, uprisings that occurred in this and this and that year. So ideally seeing kind of and being impressed and, and, and really like excited about the way that the 2016 and 2018 strike broke through and, and became part of a national conversation, you know, this national conversation should be happening all the time. And, and, and having prisoner uh, actions at the center of that is, is important to us. So in that way, actually, we're not even like um, we only have our own particular political beliefs and and those probably come through in certain ways in the project. But like we're hoping that this can actually be a project that lots of people with lots of different backgrounds can can make use of because we think that this having having what prisoners do and what prisoners say about what they do and seeing if we can capture as much of that as possible. We think that's a really important part of these ongoing conversations about what to do within this crisis of mass incarceration. You talked a little bit about how it seems like you guys have many different ideas about who you're hoping will use the website and for what purposes and things you've mentioned so far, like people using it to keep up with the news about unfolding Mm -hmm. uh, acts of prisoner resistance and also people looking to Mm -hmm. do a little bit more like historical in the last eight years or nine years uh, research about Mm -hmm. what's been changing. Are there other ways Mm -hmm. that you're hoping the website will get used? Are there other groups of people you haven't mentioned yet who you're hoping will use the website for different reasons? I, I think ideally we could expand in, in lots of different ways. Uh, one thing, one immediate way that we're hoping to expand it is to have a place that prisoners can contact us directly with their own accounts of actions that they witnessed or participated in. And uh, I mean, cause for, for example, lots of these actions on here, there's like, we, we, you hear that like, oh, they presented some list of demands to a warden or so on and so forth. And a lot of times we're not actually, we don't have those demands yet on the site and something like that. If prisoners could find out about the site and, and reach out directly to, to us via, you know, via mail or something like that, then, um, so in that way, it would be actually a way for like prisoners to directly get their side of the story uh, out to the public. But on this, on a more technical side, I think another way we would like to expand is, is do 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 better stuff with the data that we've already collected. And that means, um, you know, ideally expanded to visualizations. We could do mapping projects of these actions. We could do better sort of statistical analysis and stuff like that. Right now, we're really proud of what's up on the site, but um, there's there's lots of more research that could come out of and conclusions that could be drawn from from the stuff up there. So that's another way that we like to expand. So you mentioned that, like, of course, you guys are coming from, like, a political angle in wanting to do this project. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. uh, if you could talk a little bit more about, like, what that angle is, but also how that angle affects, like, what you think the the point of spreading more widespread knowledge of prisoner resistance will be. Like, what kind of an effect are you hoping that spreading this this knowledge more widely and potentially spreading, like, more accurate knowledge about what's happening on the inside? How is that going to affect mm-hmm. the growing conversation around incarceration, especially, like, mass incarceration and the way it's framed in the U.S.? .com and on Twitter at Perilous Prisons. We'll try to bring uh, the end part of that interview with Duncan from Perilous uh, Prisons on our next show. And hopefully by then we will also have the mailing address for folks who uh, are inside who might want to get in touch with the Perilous Prisons project. The time is 5.56 p.m. and you've been listening to the Prison Radio Show on CKUT, 90.3 FM, 91.7 on cable and www.ckut.ca. 
Uh, our apologies for the technical issues earlier and uh, broadcasting some stuff. We didn't quite give a, a heads up for some of those things, so apologies for that. But uh, we, uh, we, yeah, we hope to bring the rest of this interview as well as some content for Black History Month on our next show, which is next week, Friday, February 22nd at 11 a.m. If you have any questions on anything that you've heard on today's show, or if you wish to be involved with the show, feel free to contact us at prison at ckut.ca. Formerly incarcerated people are encouraged to participate. Folks can leave a message on our listener comment line at 514-448-4041, extension 2547. If you're in prison, we encourage you to participate in the show in any way possible. You can write us at the Prison Radio Show, or simply write PRS, care of CKUT, 3647 University Street, Montreal, Quebec, postal code H3A2B3. Thank you so much for tuning into the Prison Radio Show here on CKUT 90.3 FM. Don't touch that dial. Upstage is coming up next. There, 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 is, there is this thing. Do you realize what is, what is, what is, what is. There is this thing. Do you realize. Our consciousness is affected. There, there, there is this, there is this thing. On. There is this thing going on. Do you realize our consciousness is affected? There is this thing going on. What is called the news brought to you live. live, live.